0: Hello everyone! We're back! I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, friend, welcome and hello. Give me a high sigh. It's been so long, you guys. I feel like it's been half a decade. Anyway, thank you guys so much for your patience. We weren't here last week because we um, lost a very important man in our lives. It was our Uncle Tim. (laughs) Rest in peace, Uncle Tim. We love you so much. We love you so much. And he is our grandfather's brother, but he was more like a grandfather to us than anyone we've ever had the pleasure of being around. So it was really, you know, hard for us. And thank you guys for all the love that you sent us, the DMs, the comments, everything. It was really special to us. It really was. And we had a phenomenal time. Kayla showed all of our business on our story. So (laughs) if you hadn't caught that, you missed out. Yeah, i am definitely been posting a lot on the uh, Instagram at Black You Crime Podcast. But yeah, thank you guys so much for showing us that much love. It was genuine and it Thank you. Before we get started with this case, though, I want to remind you guys that we are going on tour and we have announced the second leg of cities. Those cities are, Kristen, help me if I forget, Seattle, Chicago, Who? Philly, Denver, and I, th- I think it's only four. Yeah, I think we did four. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So go check out those dates. Um, you guys have to get your tickets as soon as possible because we will stop selling tickets Exactly one month before the tour starts. So if you're going for the first leg, which starts April 1st, you have to have your tickets by March 1st. And if you're going for the second leg, you have to have your tickets by April 6th. So get on it. And she's not playing, y'all. She will shut down the tickets in 2.3 seconds. So get your tickets. I have to just know the numbers, catering, all that good stuff. So yeah, BlackTreeCrime.com is the only place you can get the tickets. And yeah, that's pretty much it. We're excited. Now, are you ready, sister, to start this week's case? Let us begin. All right. In honor of a recent visit to our hometown, St. Louis, I decided to choose a case that happened around that area that would blow our minds. And I found one. This murderer will go on to be referred to as the St. Louis child killer, and by the age of 22, will be arrested for these horrific crimes. So join us as we discuss the homicidal pervert that is Lorenzo Fain. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo. Not a child killer killing children. We hate him. But, yes, no, 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 we hate him. Also, before we even take a step further, let's take a glance at Kristen because she's looking like money bag, money bag, money bag. <laughs> she has, like, a lot of shrinkage, but when she just, like, bloated it out and busted down, I mean, it's giving everything that it needs to. If you're not on Patreon, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, uh, <laughs> she looks gorgeous and I'm distracted. Thanks, sister. I love you. You're welcome. I love you no too. Let's carry on. Yes, and get into this hell. So this case was definitely a gut punch for me. Like when I saw the pictures of the victims, it put a knot in my throat. So I know you guys can't really bang with child cases. I hate them. So if you have to pass this one up, I totally understand. We're going to be releasing another episode on Thursday this week. So you get your full fill of black you crime this week. Y'all get two episodes, okay? Period. In a story. I was going to say period every time, but no, it's not every time. No. <laughs> okay. So, Lorenzo Fain was born on April 2nd, 1971 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Kristen, what happened in Black True Crime whenever you chose to check? Okay. I mean, well, Black, what Black happened? History. There we go. We're back to it, sis. Sorry. Get into it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in honor of MLK Day, for those of you guys who don't know, we are shooting this on MLK Day. So happy MLK Day. In honor of MLK Jr., which Mm -hmm. he was not only named after Martin Luther, which is a German priest known for Lutheranism. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Lutheranism. Okay. He also went to an HBCU, period, at the age of 15 years old. So MLK Jr. has always been different from the time he was born. To the time he died. Um, he was also arrested 29 times, period. What? Look. <laughs> it's giving thug. It's giving rebel, okay? Mm-hmm. He also survived an assassination a decade before the one that actually took him out. Ooh. And last but not least, after MLK Jr. died, his family actually filed a civil lawsuit against the government, and they won. And guess what it was for? It was for a conspiracy. Wow. You guessed it. For those of us who don't know, James Earl Ray, the guy that was framed for shooting Martin Luther King Jr., actually did not shoot him. It was actually the local state, local state government and the mafia who set James Earl Ray up. But it was actually their fault. So they actually killed our MLK Jr. Yes, you heard it: the government themselves and the mafia killed our Martin Luther King. Wow, sister. Raise your so, hand if you're surprised. Just you're surprised? I was so surprised when I heard it, because I had never heard that before. And then to come to find out, they won the lawsuit. The jury... The jury? Yeah. Mm. The jury took less than an hour to, like, figure out what was going on. Right. They gave their sentence. And then guess what? The family got $100. Huh? And they clearly Where's said... You? The family clearly said... What? I'm about to cuss. They got $100. And I don't care what time period you're in, unless you're in the 1800s, $100 ain't nothing. So what they sue for? How much they sue for? But that's all they sued for. Like, they didn't, it wasn't about the money for them. Okay. It was about the fact that we need this to be known. We need this to be written in history. That right. the government and the mafia came together and plotted to kill our MLK Jr. All because he was standing for civil rights. Like, and so they got their point across. Insane. Racist till Absolutely. the end, the government mm. sucks. Mm. Well, mm. wow, Kristen, thank you for taking us down that trip. Wow, thank you, Kristen, for taking us on that trip down history lane. I gotta get back into it. Please. Wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're definitely welcome for that. But at the same time, mafia We're square gonna... up, mind your business. All right, right let's let's <laughs> Don't come press. Um, But yeah, Kristen, that was great. Thank you so much. And happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, period. And that statue is a hot rotisserie mess embarrassment. What is that about? What is it? It looks like a booty hole. It looks like two long sausages. (laughs) Yeah, let's not get into it. We'll be here all day. (sighs) Okay, so Lorenzo was born on April 2nd in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he had a pretty big family. His parents had multiple children, but they were also very poor. So his mom and his dad like weren't really married ever or officially together, and his dad actually ended up not really being in his life. So he ended up having a step stepdad later on. Okay? And they grew up in the northwest part of the city, so not only did the family struggle money-wise, they also were surrounded by violence and drugs and just all the stuff you don't want to be around. Which, honestly... I, mean, I wouldn't want to be around. <laughs> right. And his parents fell victim to the lifestyle, obviously. Well, not obviously, but they were around it, so it's hard to keep fighting it. Both of them had been arrested multiple times. They struggled with alcoholism and drug use. Um, I read that his mom was a crack cocaine addict. So Ooh. it was just... Yeah, it was just some... The worst of the worst It's giving. hmm And this drug abuse contributed to how they treated their children. Lorenzo was often beaten for no reason, which is, we know, just flat-out abuse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're not talking whooping. We're talking, like, hit in the head, thrown out of windows. It's just, it was really like, violent. Like, this is no longer discipline. This is straight physical abuse. Absolutely. Trauma. Absolutely. At such a young age. And the abuse will later be proven to cause him psychological trauma that he suffered from throughout the rest of his life. Yeah, that sounds about Right. I know. The, the decisions of our parents play such a huge part. It's just unfortunate because some people it, have parents yeah. like this. And it's crazy that it takes a person decades and decades and decades to undo the trauma that their parents did when they were little. If they even try to undo that trauma, some people just sit in it like this man. Mm-hmm. In 1978, Lorenzo was sexually assaulted by an older boy in his neighborhood. Yeah. No. Yeah, at that time, he was only seven years old. And in his teenage years, Lorenzo really started on a slope ball straight to degenerateville. Now, I I fully recognize that this man is a monster and the things he did to the victims are abhorrent. But we can also recognize that this monster was created by the circumstances that he was in in such an early age. And without exposure to an alternative, better way of life, he just followed the path that was basically laid before him. And if you think 1 plus about 2 it, name, 3. also name we can name on one hand how many people we've talked about that actually had an okay background growing up, mm-hmm. like childhood and all that stuff, and then proceeded to commit murder. So there's right. a clear direct correlation between messed up childhood, messed up adult, absolutely. And I'm just pointing that out now because some of our listeners have kids, and you know one day we'll have kids, and. We just, I just want to make sure that, shit, we're not creating more degenerates. You know what I'm saying? We're paying attention to how we're raising kids and what they're being exposed to because this world is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when he was a teenager, he started skipping school and spending more time on the streets doing stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing. And eventually, he just dropped out. Ooh, so before, okay. So before he had even turned 18, Lorenzo was showing signs of little success moving forward. And although we've seen, like we just talked about, other people be successful, it didn't happen in this case. I was about to say, because we would skip school, but we didn't skip school and hit the streets. We skipped school and went home. Yeah, and <laughs> smoked a little weed, you know? Yeah. Harma ate a little food. Yeah. yeah, we had a good time. In 1984, when he was 13, Lorenzo was arrested for the first time. And within a five-year time span, he was arrested for charges ranging from robbery, assault auto theft and even ended up spending some time in juvie for this oh lorenzo you naughty boy <laughs> kirsten although lorenzo was acting big and bad at this time so he's you know terrorizing literally people he wasn't because while in juvie he was a victim of physical and sexual assault again by other juvie inmates mm. lorenzo what were you giving were you giving peewee were you giving someone who was trying to act bad and bad but was really scared? I don't know what he was giving, and I wish I could find pictures of him as a child. I wasn't able to. But, I mean, children abusing children is just, like, another level of stuff, And I just, it's all heartbreaking. Yes, it is. Um, Side note, Lorenzo's giving, like, smooth chocolate skin. Mm. Look at that. All one tone. Yeah, skin is, is giving. He looks very generic. Giving. I couldn't put, pick him out of a lineup because no. he looks so generic. His skin is giving, like blank canvas, mm-hmm. like Hershey's chocolate nice. skin. It's nice. Mm-hmm. So it was around this time that Lorenzo's IQ was determined to be between sixty-eight and seventy-five, which Low. would label him. Yes, let's start, which would label him as borderline intellectually disabled. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo couldn't even read at the time. So Lord, Lorenzo. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't surprise me that he dropped out of school because he was struggling child. I wonder if that was hereditary though, or like something happened to him that stunted his growth intellectually. Oh, we're gonna get to it, sister. Mm -hmm. So Lorenzo was released from Juvie in nineteen eighty-nine at the age of eighteen, and instead of going back to live with his siblings and parents, he moved to East St. Louis, Illinois, to live with his grandmother, and this is where he would hunt. Rape and kill at least five people. Dang. Not even people, like young girls. Yeah, so here we go into hell. The prey becomes the predator. Absolutely. And this just, it's gonna make you sick. So you wanna take a break? Let's take a break. Okay. On March 20th, 1992, 14 year old Latonda Dean was found naked in a bathtub and she had been stabbed 24 times with most of them being in her chest and like her stomach, abdomen area. Oh, but they show this baby. I didn't find a more recent picture of her. That was the picture that was featured in the newspaper at the time. And oh my gosh, that's what I'm saying. It just put a knot in my throat immediately. I couldn't imagine what she went through. My stomach hurts. Yeah, it's gonna gonna get worse. She was also um, sexually assaulted. The autopsy suggested that she was sexually assaulted before she died and after she died. Oh, you're disgusting. Like, so we have a next-level nation. Right, what is the fascination with body parts? And, and why violate them? Like, let alone, the killing was already horrible, but dang, mm-hmm. you had to violate her after she was gone? For what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you go from... Robbing people and, you know, burglary and stuff like that. And then you're over here, as soon as you get out of juvie, you're killing people. Ugh. And That's then borderline necrophilia oh, by. No, this is oh, necrophilia Right. He's, by assaulting nef- the corpses. Yeah. It is. Same. And she's so young. Like, oh my gosh. And then the next day, it's Kristen, I'm not okay. On July 20th, 1992, nine year old. Fallon Flood was found dead on the floor of a high school locker room. So I read she was in the locker room. I also read that she was found inside of a locker. Either way, it's just deplorable. are you kidding me? I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Like, what was she even doing there? Did he transport her body there? I didn't get those types of details from him, but I think he did. She had she was found with a belt um, wrapped tight around her neck and her underwear was also pulled down. So it was clear that she had been sexually assaulted or at least he tried to sexually assault her. You know, this is disgusting. Like, and yeah. I just feel like, you know, as older people, obviously, we're more disgusted because we know what this means when it comes to sexual assault and things like that. But right. also when you're younger, like he knew that touching her areas was wrong. Oh, yeah. He knew killing her was wrong, obviously. But specifically those places, you're told when you're younger to not do that. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if he ever was because look at who raised him. His mother was an alcoholic abusing him. His stepdad was an alcoholic abusing him. He spent time in and out of group homes because his his parents couldn't take him. The state didn't know what to do with him. He was all over the place. It doesn't even seem like he was genuinely taught right from wrong. mm. And then what was done to him, he's now doing to others. 100%. On June 25th, 1993, 17 year old Glenda Jones was found stabbed to death behind the Martin Luther King Jr. High School, which is really crazy because it's Martin Luther King Jr. day today. And her body was severely decomposed by the time she was found. So she had been back there a while. This is a lot. I know. I told you it was going to get heavy. Glenda had her clothes on, but her bra was inside out. So, from the scene, police believe that she could have had sex consensually before she died, or she was sexually violated, and then the you know killer just put her bra back on backwards or something like that. But it was noted, and that will be right. por- important later. Okay, I was gonna say, is he finally now feeling remorse? I doubt it. No, nah. nowhere near it. <laughs> And 17-year-old Faith Davis was found nude and face down, bent over a coffee table with her Uh, knees uh, on the floor, and her legs were spread apart. I hate this so much. This is disgusting. I mean, it's just next level cruelty. And she was unalive. Yeah, when she was found that way. So you already know what went down. Yes. And from the evidence in the house, police could tell that Faith had been killed first And then her body was dragged over to the coffee table where he bent her over, opened her legs, and apparently he had... Oh, my gosh. They noted that there was, like, a large amount of petroleum oil. Kayla, I know, sister. Rubbed on her, you know, parts so he could do what he was about to do, which was what he did. And we know what he did. This is coming from... A young boy? Even he's like, he's like 20, he's like 20, I wanna say 22, 21. This is sick. Un fucking believable. Like unbelievable. And he's so young. So that makes me feel like some wicked shit was going on in that juvie. I'm telling you, some deep, dark, and disgusting things. And it's so, it's not funny at all, but it's so crazy how. It's it's always in the boys, you know, the boys always go so dark and disgusting and deep. And it's like, what are y'all talking about behind closed doors? What are you doing to each other? And where did you learn it from? I agree. I think maybe because of like the testosterone and the, you know, how young boys are. They're very hypersexual because they're figuring out their bodies are hitting puberty and all that type of stuff. So you are if you're already not dealing with the full deck of cards, you can turn into this piece of shit. If you're exposed to this type of stuff because he had, you know, been raped multiple times in his life. I mean, it's just not to say inevitable, but I I'm not surprised. Wow. This dude has a strong necrophilic Mm -hmm. tendency because Mm -hmm. it's like after they're unalive, he continues to do it with every victim. Yes. And it's just I don't even know how you can stomach something like that. So on July 24th, 1993, 22-year-old Lorenzo, thank God, was arrested under suspicion of being responsible for the murder of Faith Davis. So Lorenzo had drawn some extra attention to himself with this one by setting the apartment on fire before leaving in an attempt to cover up some evidence. So the East St. Louis Fire Department was called to the scene to extinguish it, which led to an investigation on how the fire was even started. Okay. Okay. And it was determined that Faith didn't die from the fire, but she was actually murdered beforehand. And there was a trail of blood. Y'all, listen to this. That led from the Davis like apartment, her apartment, all the way to Lorenzo's grandmother's house where he was staying. Are you freaking joking? I hope I, I wish I was, Kristen. And I'm not sure if this was like completely visible to the naked eye of police. But once they brought out their police dog, the canine, the canine followed the trail right up to Lorenzo's grandmother's house. You know what? Shout out to the K-9 units. Yeah. Period. Period. And two, was it his blood or was it Faith's? Great question. It could have been his, could have been Faith's, but I didn't see that distinction made in my research. Mm -hmm. This, So this coupled with witness statements that police were able to get led to them arresting Lorenzo, and they took him back to the police station for questioning. Period. Snatch. So the city police department even called in help from the state department. I don't know if this decision was what led to the monumental moment, but Lorenzo would end up confessing to murdering Faith Davis. Okay. He would also confess to four other murders. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm saying for me, I'm happy that he's confessing. At least he's not the lowest piece of shit on earth, and like does all this and then denies it and wastes the courts and the families and all you know everyone's time Mm, mm, mm. shut her up in my bones that is disgusting like thinking about how he confessed to them I was about Mm -hmm. to say he's probably not smart enough to sit there and double down and be like I didn't do it you know like with such a low IQ and them constantly asking you questions Mm -hmm. you can either go silent or you can crack and be like look I did it you know yeah and then I was thinking even further, like, wow, it doesn't take a lot of smarts to be disgustingly evil. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it can be animalistic. And I can't consider this instinct because nothing in me will want to do something like that. Right, right, right. But it, like I said at the beginning, it's all about what you're exposed to. Right. And with at such a young age, all he knew basically was violence. And we're going to get to that later. So there are witnesses in the apartment building and complex that said they literally saw Lorenzo leaving the apartment. And, you know, with the trail of blood that they found when they got there, they also found blood on Lorenzo's clothes and blood in the house. So that's basically all they needed. And then later they would find out that Lorenzo left his prints at the scene hmm, at the Davis house. So he's just, he's just baked a hot it, mess. Done. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. done. They found that his prints matched prints at the murder scene of a six year old boy named Ari. Uh-oh. Yeah. Kayla, what's going on? He was a little boy that was found naked at the edge of a state park. Um, he'd been raped, beaten to death, and thrown down a ditch bank back in 1989, the same year Lorenzo was released, released from Juvie. Mm-mm-mm. So Juvie made him worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. in my opinion, it cultivated him. It cultivated his appetite, his sexual desire. Wow. Whose bright idea was it to say, well, let's house all the bad people in one area and then have the nerve to let them out? Like, Are we talking juvie? I'm talking about jail, juvie, all of that. It's like <laughs> you you want them to feed off of each other or possibly learn something worse. You know, like those are the options of housing all of these people who have done certain things together. Mm -hmm. Well, think about it. In 1989, around that time, they're not thinking about rehabilitation and for, you know, juvie, jail, nothing like that. They're barely thinking it now. They try to act like they are. But, you know, jail is jail. Prison is prison. And Mm -hmm. Lorenzo learned how to be a better criminal while he was in juvie, just like, you know, we've seen so many other times. With his slow behind. Kristen, he is very tight on paper, but he is clearly high-functioning. mm mm-hmm. I wonder what Carly's IQ is. That just makes me wonder. Kristen. I'm serious, because I would like, you know, some type of comparison here. hmm Because you know Carly, and she... you And think she's, she's... extremely high-functioning, so I wonder, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's fair. So when police confronted Lorenzo with this evidence and information, he confessed to killing Ari, too. He said he lured him away from a playground and said the reason he did it was because, quote, I wanted to hear the sound of a neck break. You see, like, you know, this is a boy who is curious in death. You know, curiosity is normal for kids, but not in death, not in sexual assault. But like you said, he's seen things. Oh, he's seen some things. And we are, he's, I I keep saying we're going to get to it, but let me just tell you now. I have an interview at the end of the case of him speaking of his childhood and his upbringing. And he's going to drop some bombs on us. So wait, Mm-hmm. According to court records, Lorenzo only decided to confess to more murders after speaking with his grandmother. So this demon ended up confessing to killing Latondra Dean, Fallon Flood, and Glenda Jones. The Lord. According to his confession, he approached 17-year-old Glenda Jones with a knife, but she consented to having sex with him, so he didn't, like, technically rape her. And after it was done, she was even interested—OK, okay, this is according to him— she was even interested in having a relationship with him, but he said something in him just snapped and he ended up stabbing her over 20 times and killing her. Good God. He then admitted to the murder of Faith Davis and said that he killed her first, but returned to the scene to sexually assault her before he set the apartment on fire. He probably went home to literally get his Vaseline. And maybe oh. that's where the trail of blood came from the first time he went home? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But when he came back, because Faith was stabbed in her upper chest and in her back. So he could have been stabbing her again while he, when he came back to sexually assault her from the back. I just, I can't even fathom what the fuck is wrong with this man. I just have to look at him again. Because I'm like, this, this right here is evil. And I can see him at a school being a janitor.
1: Or, you know what I'm saying? Know,
0: something like that. And then he also confessed to stabbing Latonda Dean to death. And yeah, he just, at least he's not denying it. That's all I can say. That's the only thing. It's saving us time. It's saving the families of these victims. You know, the terrible wondering, right? Like that. I wonder what happened. Who did this? You know, the community. Are we safe? Stuff like that. So, like, does he know what he's doing is wrong? Great question. I honestly still right now you know what yes i think he does know what he did is wrong i absolutely think he knows what he did is wrong and he's gonna say something that indicates to me he knew i'm gonna get to it oh and not to mention most of the victims lived within a few blocks of where lorenzo was living with his grandmother so he wasn't even trying to he wasn't even really trying not to get caught he was just doing mm-hmm. what he wanted to do mm-hmm. so here we are we're at the trial okay So during the trial, the prosecution presented DNA evidence, witness statements, and also to really speak to Lorenzo's state of mind, a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist testified that although Lorenzo's personality was a little weird, like he's, you know, not firing off at all cylinders, he, he did not suffer from delusions or an inability to control his behavior and actions. So basically, he knew what he was doing and wanted to do it. So he was a little off. But he understood like societal like cues and societal. Yes. This is what you're supposed to expectation. Not supposed to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. According to the psychiatrist he spoke to not too long after his arrest, he remembered each murder in detail, and in a five hour interview, described what happened and what he did. So he's he's reveling in it. Yeah, it's. I don't sense an ounce of remorse. I don't think he regrets what he did. And that is really fucking sad for his soul because he's going, oh, there's a place already. Wow. The psychiatrist, Dr. Raboon, mm, probably not saying that right, not worried about it, said that Lorenzo was a pretty standard serial killer. He was a sadist and a necrophiliac. Lorenzo's defense attorney, John O'Gara, was doing what a defense attorney is supposed to do and tried to argue that his client was legally insane and presented any and every mitigating factor that he could to the court. Mm-hmm. He referenced Lorenzo as a tortured soul. And it's like, that can be true, but he can also be the torturer of souls. And he can also be saying, yes, very much so. John presented, which is the attorney, presented evidence that Lorenzo's mom was an alcoholic and a crack addict while she was pregnant with Lorenzo. hmm Okay, well, that's a good mitigating factor How about for for insanity. He came out already on the crack pipe. He had to go through a draw. His mother admitted that she frequently hit Lorenzo in the head in an effort to discipline him or punish him. And she didn't even know she wasn't supposed to do that until, like, Child Protective Services got involved and told her that she she can't do that to her son. I believe that. That's what I'm saying. It it starts with the parents. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Hey you guys so I know I said I was going to keep you updated on my magic mind journey shall I say because the 14 day challenge is over but I've still been using my magic mind and I just want to say it helps like I'm not a caffeine girl but sometimes I find myself saying hey I need some damn caffeine to get through the rest of this day and magic mind really helps me. Just look up the dope ingredients inside. They're very all natural and they're really good for your health. Unlike, let's be honest, coffee. So if you're interested in getting some type of pick me up that doesn't involve multiple trips to the bathroom, I highly recommend trying Magic Mind. And if you use our code Black14, you get 20% off your purchase. Okay, now back to the episode. But the abuse didn't stop. She then moved on to using any object she could to beat him. I read that these objects range from a broom handle to extension cords. Oof, yeah, well, he's not the first. that that'll tell you what. And when it came to Lorenzo's biological father, this is the part that I said we were going to get to, that man was admitted to a mental hospital and was diagnosed as being schizophrenic. Oh, wow. Here we go. A mental history. Yeah, yeah, so... Drugs on his mother's side, drugs in his system before he's even out of the room, mental health issues in his family. Immediate family, his father. Mm. So it was noted that Lorenzo's stepfather once choked him until he was unconscious. Kristen. Mm-hmm. And and then you wonder why your kids come out ain't acting right. <laughs> like exactly. I don't understand. Yeah. Tore up. So Lorenzo himself started drinking and using drugs at a very young age. And remember how we talked about him getting arrested when he was in his teens? Well, some of those charges involved him aggressively grabbing at women and even committing abuse against animals. Uh Uh-uh. Those are the telltale signs of a serial killer. Kristen, textbook red flags. And they were not addressed properly. Of course not, Kayla. Of course not. Who's going to address them? The crackhead mama? Right. (laughs) The stepdaddy? Where is he at? Drinking? Yeah. Lorenzo's sister and grandmother testified at the trial about the abuse that he suffered and how abusive the home environment was for them. And the sexual abuse Lorenzo Lorenzo suffered was also brought up. His grandmother described how when the older boy in the neighborhood assaulted Lorenzo, Lorenzo went home and told his stepfather, but instead of calling the police or reporting the attack or even being empathetic toward him, his stepfather beat him instead. yes. Yes. And we're going to hear Lorenzo kind of talk about that in a little bit himself. This is just sad. So nobody was there to protect him. Nope. Nope. He was going through stuff, you know, hereditary mental issues from his daddy's side. Mm hmm and he is on drugs. This is a recipe for disaster. A recipe for a murderous mess. And the thing that pisses me off the most is like, why are parents allowed to do this? Why are like information like this Mm -hmm. allowed to come out and there are no consequences for the people that did it? There should be no statute of limitation on physical abuse um, sexual abuse, if I was sexually abused at eight years old, I should be able to report it right now at 27 years old, and whoever did it should get in trouble for it. So why is it so acceptable? I'm not even going to say in the Black community because I don't know much about other communi- communities. I can just speak for ourselves. It's so prevalent in the Black community, and no one is held responsible, and it's really, it's really fucking sad. Yes, it is. And then when you have... St- times like this where you're like trying to hold somebody responsible but the ones who are really responsible lie within the home yeah the parents and then they just get to sit there on the witness stand and be like well this is why he was doing it it's because of me okay but where's the you know where's the consequences on your behalf where did you now have a murderous child i don't know if that's enough it's not enough and they should be locked up as soon as they get off the witness stand confessing to the fucked up shit that they did Something needs period. to happen, some type of fine, some type, you know what I'm saying? Like, What is a fine going to do? I'm they need to be locked like, up. It's, it's, something it's, needs to be said. There aren't, there is, in my opinion, I'm yelling, there isn't a situation where sexual abuse is okay to prosecute in this situation, but not okay to prosecute in this situation. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It should be prosecuted. People should be held accountable. I don't care if it was 50 years ago, you piece of shit. Abuse is abuse, and if you don't address it and if you don't check it, it's just going to continue the cycle and happen to more people, and we get more murderers and necrophiliacs like this piece of crap. hmm <clears throat> So, the defense brought up his intellectual disabilities and even stated that Lorenzo suffered actual brain damage from some of, the, some of the beatings he'd received as a kid and teenager. The defense made sure to bring up everything they could to avoid a death penalty sentence for their client and some of the jury actually agreed with the defense. Well, there was one juror to be exact, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. Okay. Okay. So basically, Lorenzo was found guilty for, I want to say the first, because when I was looking up the trial transcripts and everything like that, it was kind of confusing because it showed it like they were charging him the five murders together. hmm But what the defense ends up having an issue with later kind of suggests to me that, okay, they charged him with one murder and then we're going to charge him with the others. So I'm just going to explain to you what happened. Okay. So he got convicted. Cool. And when the prosecution charged him in the remaining cases, his defense argued that the death penalty couldn't be on the table because that will violate the rule of double jeopardy. And if you guys know what Double double... Jeopardy Okay, I was about to say, if you guys know what Double Jeopardy is if you don't, if you've seen the movie with Ashley Judd, I love that movie, it's really good but it's basically saying a law that prohibits anyone from being prosecuted twice for substantially the same crime So his defense attorney was basically saying that since evidence from all five murders was used in his first trial, it couldn't be used against him in another trial No way Krista, it's bull. It's when I read that, I was like, they're grasping at straws because we see all the time that you, can, if you were convicted of another crime, some of that information can be used in your future crimes, especially when you're a serial murderer. Right. That part. Especially if you use the gun from the first murder to possibly kill the person in the second murder. You mean to tell me I can't use that evidence? That's corny. Right. We have seen that. But we've also seen defense attorneys try to fight that, and it has worked in the past. So it's kind of just... I think with this case being so sensitive and children being involved and stuff like that, I really think it was a reach for the defense. And the court wasn't hearing it at all. It wasn't fucking with it. And on April 24th, 1996, the court denied this motion. Okay, great. So before his sentence was read by the court, because remember he was convicted, he was found guilty and he was facing the death penalty. And before that sentence was read by the court, Lorenzo said that, quote, this may sound weird, but the thing I did... I deserve to die. I really do. Wow. So this is what I mentioned that he would say that makes me feel like he knows right from wrong. He knows he shouldn't have been hurting those kids and killing people and defiling their corpses, but he did it anyway. Mm, mm, mm. So right at the end, he has the nerve to show us a little insight on how he feels, which is a hint of remorse, which means he knew what he was doing. I don't know if it's remorse, but I definitely know it's responsibility. And... Anybody with half a brain would feel like he deserves to die. I I feel like just not half a brain. I don't want to say that because some people are against the death penalty. But killing children and then doing what he did to their bodies, you know, sexually assaulting them before he killed them. I mean, yeah, there's a special place in hell for you. It's hard because you you see the crime itself and then you understand what he went through. But the main problem is, Lorenzo, is that you had a choice, you know, like you saw you. Yeah, you went through a lot of stuff, but instead of becoming different, you chose to be even worse than the people who assaulted you. And that's the part where it's like, dude, somebody has to answer for this. And it's all on you. Not your mama, not your daddy. It should be on them, too. But you have to carry this. Take responsibility for what you chose to do. Nobody forced you to do any of this. He also said that he, quote, still don't understand none of this, which I was like, sir, you can't read. I don't expect you to really understand what's going on in this court, but you know what you did. So please stop trying to play us like we're stupid. And I, I understand his, his IQ level is pretty low, but come on. There has to be a line that we draw to where we say, OK, he's still responsible for what he did. Whether he yeah. understands the court proceeding or not, he, he understands what he did. And which is why he said, you know, I I know mm-hmm. I probably deserve to die. Regardless of what y'all talking about, I don't know mm-hmm. who was on this side and who was on that side and what y'all talk about. Yeah. But I know what I've done. Yes. So this was the part of the case that confused me, like I said earlier. I read that the jury couldn't unanimously agree on the death penalty, but somehow he was still sentenced to death. So no in an Yeah. In an interview, one of the jurors admitted that there was one woman who voted against the death penalty because she claimed that her pastor's son had a disease that made him violent. And since the defense suggested that Lorenzo could possibly have the same disease, she voted no. Which is like, ma'am, if he had it, the psychiatrist would have went up there and said he has it. But you know how when the Lord is involved, people just be doing stuff. I mean, I understand forgiveness, right? But like, (laughs) And I understand, like, not wanting to put somebody in the chair to die at the age mm-hmm. of 22 years old. Mm-hmm. But at the same at time, that's not a, a good excuse. I was about to say, as a... The excuse she gave was trash. <laughs> oh, my pastor's son goes, has a disease that caused him to be violent. Okay, but has he killed? Has he sexually assaulted? Has he, you know, assaulted right. a dead corpse? It goes right. further than just what you talking about, lady. Like, look at keep the, the person at hand and judge them. Look, we don't have a heaven or hell to put you in, but the Lord said follow the laws of the land. <laughs> <laughs> and what he did deserved the death penalty if it was on the table. But hey, it was her prerogative to not vote for it, and they had to respect it. But According- he was sentenced to death anyway. Correct. So that's what I'm saying. I think he must have had multiple trials. Mm-hmm. According to the juror that was interviewed, quote, Molten lava wasn't as hot as we were, <laughs> end quote. And they were referring to how mad they were when that woman was, like, holding out. hmm I really don't know what the fuck ended up really happening. But either way, Lorenzo's sentence was commuted by ex-governor George Ryan in 2003, who was against the death penalty himself. So it was commuted to life in prison. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be until September of 2009 that DNA evidence connected Lorenzo Fain to the murder of 32-year-old Rita Scott, who was beaten—yes, Kristen, another murder—who was beaten to death with a blunt object in Milwaukee the same year Lorenzo was released from juvie. My gosh. So he probably did her first. Oh, yeah. And was like, oh, I don't like this older thing, and went to younger people. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. When confronted with this evidence, Lorenzo admitted to killing her and also said that he had sex with her body after she died. Wow. So it started extremely early. He must have been like when he was torturing animals and stuff. He must have been doing stuff to their corpses and stuff, too, because I I don't don't feel like you just I don't want to think about it, Kristen. Anyone that hurts an animal, I'm going to jail. Don't bring your ass near me. mm -mm. Mm -mm, I'm writing you off in my book yeah, yeah yeah hell is where you deserve what you deserve. Now, here comes the interview. I found an interview that this show called Criminal Perspective did. It's a podcast, and it was done with Lorenzo in 2020 and I decided to write this case before I listened to the interview because I didn't want like any bias. I wanted to just go off of the facts that I had, and that was it. And with this interview, you can hear his voice, the way he communicates, his cadence, all that type of stuff. So I'm gonna play a clip for you guys so you can hear for yourselves. The clip is mm-hmm. a little bit long, a little bit long, sister. It's about four minutes long, but I'm telling you it's worth it. So let's just listen. Let's hear it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, did you have a good childhood? Did you have a bad childhood? No. Were you ever
2: abused Violet. or? Very violent. Can you elaborate on that? What was violent about Ooh. it? My mother, I drunk a lot. She always went out and a lot. And there she busted. Your mother was? Yeah. How'd so that make you feel? When I found out?
1: Yeah, how did that you make feel you
2: feel? Nothing? I didn't have no feelings about it. I mean, she should have told us, cause now we understood why, I understood why she was out all the time when we was younger, while my grandmother took care of coming up. Like I said, my grandmother, from like 71 to 75, 1971 to 1975, she got pregnant with my sister. It's 72. So, gained 72. Well, after 75, she got a house. She got raped. I never. That's I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. Cause like I told you, the dude he broke it out I hit him here with a hammer. He died right there on the kitchen floor. And you're she talking about
1: for. you're talking about your very first murder when you were a child, right?
2: Well, my mother took the way for it.
1: Right, right. But but even though she took the blame for it, you were responsible for it, right?
2: Yeah, I was responsible for it. Yeah, because she he was on top over. her. And how
1: and how old were you at this time? Uh, six. So you committed your first murder at the age of six?
2: Well, that's what you want to call it, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, defending I I mean, even defending somebody would would be you know self defense murder. I don't know whatever the legal
2: term that, is. But. That's what they told my mother. They didn't charge her, enough. Yeah, they didn't charge my mother for it. Then she met my two brothers' father. That that era there was crazy. I remember he shot her one. <laughs> that was a trip. But my childhood was very violent. So I was surrounded by violence. I remember she hit me in the head, busted my head. I still got the scar right here on top of my head. And she didn't take me she' to be out the window, One. Since then, I my mother really love her. Because she do all type of crazy shit for me. So you,
1: have I you know. always had a strained relationship with her? Uh,
2: my mother? Yeah. Heck, yeah. I mean, I was never really around her in the 80s because I kept getting in trouble in the 80s. And they kept putting me in homes and group homes and adolescent centers, finally the juvenile jail. So mostly all the eighties, I was locked up.
1: Was there any ever any sexual abuse, sexual assault? Yeah, I got raped when I was eight. Can you can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Mother went out to party one night, left the babysitter in The babysitter and he tricked me per se. So my father, he tied me up in the attic and beat me.
1: So after telling your father that you were raped, he my stepfather, yeah. your stepfather, he didn't believe you, then he beat you, so on top of being raped, you
2: were I, also he, he, be, he believed me because I was bleeding.
1: He just beat you because the fact that you were raped? I let raped. him
2: do it. I let him do it. That's, that's exactly what he told me. I let him do it. So how did
1: that make you feel?
2: At the time? I don't know. I can't, I, I can't answer that. But now, I was fucked fuck up to do that thing when I, I come to you because it let me know then that coming to somebody with something happened to you or you do something wrong, you get punished for it anyway. So what's the truth we tell you? Me?
0: I mean, just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking to even hear it. And the way that he's so detached from the pain that he went through, it's like, well, hey, it happened and it's over. Yep. Yeah. Oh my god. Like that is insane. He he sounds like he's telling somebody else's story. You know, oh, yeah. like he just sitting down with the dudes talking about how he got raped, like just at, huh? and his he was bleeding and his stepfather beat him. You know what I'm saying? That that's what I'm saying. He went through some stuff I would never wish on anybody. He put others through stuff I would never wish on anybody. So the hurt people hurt people is I feel like that's oversimplified in this situation, but Mm -hmm. it's true. An amount of emotional detachment that he had at such a young age was probably the only reason he was capable of touching those bodies, killing them one, but then touching them after he kills them. He was completely detached. He was broken. That was a broken child, broken boy, and turned into a broken man. And he was playing with bodies instead of toys, which is what he should have been playing with. Yep. He 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 committed his first murder at six years old. Hit a man in the back of the head with a hammer. Mm, just mm, mm. that blew me away. And then the interviewer viewer asked him about the sexual assault in his cases and why he did it to his victims. And this is what he had to say.
1: Right. Well, the the reason I ask about that, because there was a lot of uh, sexual assault involved in your cases. And I'm just curious. All of it that-
2: was. of it was. <laughs>
1: All of them were. Yeah, so the I'm just curious as to what you thought about being a victim of sexual assault and then inflicting it
2: on somebody else. do I think about it. Right. I still had the choice to do it or not to do it, but I did it anyway. Do you know why you so did? I don't, do you know why you nah. did it anyway? No. I just maybe it was just for the sex.
1: Can you pinpoint maybe a, a few few reasons it, it could be?
2: Well, I went out with a purpose to try to find somebody have sex with.
1: Male or female? It didn't matter. And were you wanting to have sex consensually or against their will or while they were dead? It didn't, ma- it didn't matter.
2: I didn't really it didn't matter. Yeah, you know, I like like for example. Glenda, right? She was the third. She was willing to do it. When we did it, I still killed her and did it again. Why is that? I couldn't even answer that. I, I mean, it was sexual.
1: What kind of deviant sexual behaviors did you exhibit before you started murdering people for sexual purposes?
2: Pick it to people's windows. That's how it started. Because. Well I got a uh out. I got a will in eighty nine I was eighteen, and I came down here and didn't know nobody, so I started out I, well maybe first started I cooked in somebody's yard, taking a shortcut, and the lady was in the house the window the curtains was open, and she was at me and I literally stood there and played with myself.
1: Did that escalate into you going into people's houses?
2: yeah <laughs> yeah.
0: Kristen, he's having a laugh. He is reading... They're talking about a football game that just happened a week ago. Soup's Casual. I mean, what is happening? He said it didn't matter. He just wanted to have sex. It didn't matter if it was man, female, dead, alive. Let's just Uh, do it. Sensual? I mean, consensual, not consensual? It was just about the sex, and I... Ah, oh, man, Kristen. I mean, this is heavy shit. And it bothers me that he's talking about it so lightly. How dare he even speak Linda's name? You dirty, dirty, lowdown shit. And so you don't much even he deserve- knew her. Right. Like, Kristen, the comfort level he has talking about this is should just show you that he has he hasn't changed. He's right there in it. He's loving it. He's in the thick of it. And talking about this shit is cool for him. Like, it's it's nothing, Kristen. This has nothing to do with his intellectual no, development. No, we're, we're beyond that. Way beyond he can that. He's forming full sentences. He ain't stuttering. He has full recollection of what he did. He even said that he had a choice to do it, and he did it. He doesn't even sound like he, you know, is illiterate or no. struggles to communicate. I mean, his... Kristen, come on. I cannot believe that this man is real. I can't believe that this really happened. And and people can be that cold yeah. about the most vilest things. That That's the worst of humanity. Is when you It's like flipping the switch like they used to do, the vampires used to do. Just turn off their emotions and do the most disgusting stuff. Yep. And that's why I feel like society is getting so desensitized to this type of stuff. I, for one, will never be. This will never be something that I'm I can stomach, and I'm proud to say that, but there's a lot of people, there's a lot of men, there's a lot of Andrew Tate followers that think shit like this is acceptable, that sexually violating people or manipulating them or using them is is a way to show power, is a way to gain, you know, money and control. I mean, it's disgusting. Well, one and not all Andrew Tate followers are like that, so we're not coming for all Andrew I mean, Tate followers. No, I'm not. But but what I will say is, I don't, I don't, I can say this right now. I don't bang with anybody that fo- follows Andrew Tate. The man was bragging about raping women and saying that it turns him on when they fight. So if you are an Andrew Tate follower, figure your shit out mm, mm. and do some more research about the man and his human trafficking. Thank you. Mm, mm, mm. But yeah, so. Everything that I got from that interview was he's way too casual, he's way too comfortable, and he is most definitely not mentally insane. No, nope. And I'm not a and mental he health professional. Yeah, he doesn't care, Kristen. And we're not professionals. We're not going to sit here and say we know what mental health problems look like or issues because it's different for everybody. But calling a spade a spade, this man is fully about his wit, fully knew what he was doing, and that's it. And fully embracing... The evil in him because yeah. he's talking about it as if he is on the porch drinking a 40 with his yep. friends. Yep. Ugh. So I want to throw up. That was our case for this week. Well, the first case of this week. And I hope your stomach doesn't hurt too bad. Ooh, y'all. Yeah. What did you think? We're not going to do a child case, Chris. I don't want to do a child case until November of this year. I'm just over it. I just feel like it's just, like, just, it's just the darkest and the deepest parts of people's disgustingness, deepest, darkest secrets. Like, yep. this is the worst part of humanity. Yep. And, like, there, yeah, we can't comprehend it because we haven't shut off the best parts of us, our emotions, our compassion. Mm-hmm. But this dude has. He doesn't yep. give a dog on about no. anything. No, 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 no. And I feel like he is definitely a lost cause and deserves to be right where he is for the rest of his natural-born life. hmm So let us know what you guys thought about this case. I think I have an idea. But do you guys think he was mentally ill to the point of not being held legally responsible for what he did? Do you guys think his childhood had a huge part to play in how he became who he was? I just want to know your thoughts, so let us know. And do you think someone like that who's so emotionally withdrawn can be rehabilitated? Right. From killing animals when you're a kid and peeping tomming to murdering children and violating their corpses. It's just like, could we have stopped? Could something have stopped in between that? Mm-hmm. Whew. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, don't forget to get your tickets to our tour. You don't have much mm-hmm. more time, so... Check them out at blackstreetcrime.com. We're really excited and we love you. We really love you. Period. So with that being said, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. Period, friend. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTruCrime.com. See you next time.